David Bergman is a world-renowned photographer, a canon explorer of light. He is known for his amazing ability to capture awe-inspiring images, and we love that he uses OWC drives. David's work with musicians such as Bon Jovi and Luke Combs has taken him to over 30 countries, and he shares this expertise with other photographers in his Shoot from the Hip workshops. David's work with celebrity clients has garnered him, so far, 13 Sports Illustrated covers, an entree into the Olympics, World Series, Super Bowls, NBA, and NCAA championships. He's been featured in magazines and galleries all over the world, and he continues to inspire photographers and videographers everywhere with his unique vision and skill. In this interview, I'll take a look at some of David's most famous photos, as well as learn about his creative process. Of course, you know me, I also asked about his workflow. We'll also hear from David himself about what drives him to keep photographing. So buckle up, because you are in for an amazing ride. It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives, Conversations with host Serena Catania. Workflow on the road is honestly can be challenging, you know, because I'm on I'm on a tour bus for sometimes weeks or months at a time, so it can be challenging with shooting, you know, uh, thousands of images every night. I shoot about four to five thousand images every night, so and if we go from city to city, that's a lot of images. So dealing with that also is a certainly something that people ask me about all the time. So I'm happy to discuss it. So what gear do you take with you on the road? So uh, hard drives, you mean? Yeah, just gear in general. OWC well, stuff, of course, I want to talk yeah, about yeah. OWC. Of course. So so for years, I was using these little, you know, the Mercury on the goes, all these little things. I have so many of these. I probably have I probably have 15 or 20 of these hanging around somewhere. But just recently, I got hooked, you know, I started using the little electrons, which are amazing. They had little tiny suckers. So this thing is, you know, so fast. So I have uh, two of these now. I use one as a computer backup, because I always have to have a full bootable backup on the road. And then this is for images. So I have images on the computer and I have images here. How many terabytes is that one? This one's two. Two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's made my life so much uh, easier in a way because this, I mean, these things, honestly, I love them because they're bus powered and they're small, but they're kind of slow because they're old hard drives, you know? So now this sucker, I can back up a hundred gigs of images in like a couple of minutes instead of, you know, 20 minutes for it to write. And that's, which one is that? This is the new one is the Electron. So um, yeah, I have two of these. Like I said, I've been using one for my computer backup because I have to have a bootable backup of my computer because if my computer dies on the road, I need to be able to either go to another computer or boot up on my own machine or whatever. So the, the second one I use as a full backup and I every couple of weeks I back it up you know, I do a bootable copy. So, and this sucker, you know, and this goes in a separate bag from my computer bag, right? Cause it's uh, goes in my camera bag. So if anything, the bag disappears, you know, I'm pretty crazy about backups and all that stuff. If you use OWC gear, that's absolutely wonderful. I mean, I have, yeah. I've been using it for years and years. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it is great stuff. So I love talking about it. That at home, I have a big NAS that's, you know, a hundred and something terabytes of data that I dump everything to. But on the road, I need these portable drives. And I, like I said, I've been using OWC, you know, that I've been buying, you know, maxsales.com for probably 20 years now. So 
I, I go way back. So no, I'm a, I'm a big fan. So when I met Randy just earlier this year, I was like, OWC, I love those. I've been using those forever. So anyway. And here we are. Here, here we, are. we are. I'm, That's so, I'm great. so glad to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you go on the road, um, I noticed because I was, I was stalking you on the internet before we were talking and there was a, a picture of Luke Combs. I think you shot it with the R3. Yep. Sure. That's yeah. So the Canon R3, I've just been using now. I got this probably uh, a few months ago. I mean, before it was really available, I'm a mm -hmm. Canon Explorer of Light. So I have access to some of this gear before it's available. So I now have two of these. Um, I really was waiting till I had two to use it in my regular production because I have to, I'm such a creature of habit. I, I carry two cameras when I'm shooting. One's a wide angle lens and one's a, a long telephoto. And if they're not the same body, it drives me crazy, you know, because right. I need to be able to pick one up quickly and start shooting. Right. And if I, if it's, if the buttons are in different places or if it just feels different, it screws me up. So I, so I, I got the second one probably a couple months ago. And since then I've been shooting with them regularly. And yeah, it's a pretty amazing piece of tech now. I mean, we're, we're at a place now with these cameras where they're so insanely good that, I mean, it almost does it for you at this point. You still have to know what you're doing to maximize it, but it, the gear is just so good. The things that I used to worry about 20, 25, 30 years ago, you know, focus and exposure and the film processing and all that stuff. I don't worry about, I don't think about any of that stuff anymore. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. What was your it's first crazy. camera? First camera was a Canon AE1 program. I used to uh, have that. <laughs> did you? It was a great I learned great on an FTQL. I learned you know, on a Canon FTQL and then I had well, an I never even heard of that. FTQL. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm, I think I've been around a little bit longer than you have. <laughs> uh, I, don't know. I might be close, but uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the A1 program was my first one. Uh, that would have been, yeah, I mean, I was a teenager, I guess. And uh, it was a great body, you know, and then I had the winder on it, you know, so it was like click and it goes, you know, <laughs> slowly wind the film, you know. So uh, yeah, that was my very first, very first camera. Did you process your own film? I mean, not as a kid, not as a kid, but once I went to, once I went to college, uh, my sophomore year of college is really when I started taking photography more seriously. I was a musician first. And I don't know if you want to get into that whole story. But, I do. Uh, I do because I actually think that the crossover between music and art is, it's precious. It's precious. And sure. I think that you're doing a lot of music shooting and you're doing the sports, but it's all about rhythm and it's about knowing your equipment and kind of getting Absolutely. into the groove, right? Absolutely. And also knowing your subjects, right? So I know musicians, I know what they're, I try to get into their mind. I try to imagine what they're thinking when I'm shooting. I, it's all about anticipating what's going to happen. You know, I can make better pictures if I can, if I know what's going to happen before it happens, I can be prepared to push the button at the right time and, and point in the right direction. So, um, so having that music background has helped me quite a bit for sure. And also just on a personal level, I can relate to musicians when I'm on the road, I can talk with musicians about music. You know, I can, I can be in their world. And when they're talking about music, I know what they're talking about, you know? Right. So, what did you um, study? Uh, I was a, I was a really, I mean, I was a percussionist. I was a drummer, but I really wanted to be a producer. I was music production and engineering was my, was my first major. Um, I went to the Berkeley college of music for uh, my freshman year. And then I transferred back home. I'm from Miami, Florida. I transferred back home to the university of Miami where I was a music major at first. I think it was music business for that first semester. But then um, I stumbled into the school newspaper and had a camera, had that A1 program and like said, oh yeah, I, I, how does this work? And the photo editor gave me a couple of rolls of film and said, go out and shoot this weekend, come back on Tuesday at two o'clock and I'll show you how to process. And if there's anything good, I'll give you an assignment. 
And I guess he saw something good and he gave me an assignment and that was the beginning of it. And then the next semester I became the assistant photo editor and then he graduated, I became the photo editor, the editor-in-chief of the yearbook and on and on and on. So that's really where it all started. I sold my drums and bought lenses. <laughs> there you go. Do you miss music yeah. at all? I don't think, I never wanted to be a performer. I never wanted to, I never had that bug to perform on stage. Um, production, I don't know. I mean, no, not really. Because the thing is, I still get to be part of that whole world. I like the world. I love touring. I like being in at a concert. I like being with musicians, you know, so I, I get the best of all worlds because I'm part of that, but also I'm kind of on the outside and I can document it and I can come and go. And it, it's really the best of all worlds. I think I love photography. I love documenting. I love making the images. Um, and then I get to travel the world with these guys, you know, so it's, it's wonderful. It's, yeah. It's kind of insane. So doing what you love and i love that Absolutely. you're using some owc equipment too that's wonderful that's a very exciting Absolutely. talk to me about the the luke combs shot that's the last one you posted since i looked at your instagram and it was yeah, shot yeah. with the r3 tell me about that shot and how you set it up and how you got sure. it and so it's funny so luke has one song where so he carries around a red solo cup all night long with jack and diet in it that's you know it's country music he's a big country music star and he carries that around all night occasionally he will drop kick this, this cup of Jack and Diet into the crowd, right? So, but it took me a little while to figure out exactly when he does it. And that's the advantage I have of seeing the show night after night. He, he doesn't always do it at the same time. It's usually at the beginning of this one particular song. Sometimes that song is at the beginning of the set and sometimes it's later in the show. Sometimes he doesn't do it. Sometimes he does do it. It's a whole, you know, it's a whole like game to me to try to like get that photo because the thing about this last tour we were on, the stage is, in the, is a 360 stage, which it's a square, but it's in the middle of the arena. And I can shoot pretty much anywhere around that whole, um, you know, circle basically. And so it's a lot harder than shooting a regular stage because regular stage, you're face the stage and you can see everything. But on this stage, things could happen on the other side and I'm on one side and it happens on the other side and I can't even see it. So getting that shot of him doing that, I, I really had to be in the right place and the lighting had to be right and everything had to sort of come together. So the last few nights of the tour, we were coming towards the end of the tour. I really was desperate to get this picture. I knew I wanted it. I had seen other good shots of it. And so, um, so I'm looking at the set list and okay, the last, the second, the second to last night, he was playing it as the first song. I thought, okay, maybe he's going to do this, right? Maybe he's going to kick it. So I put myself in position and I, and I made the pictures, but the lighting wasn't right. It was the, as the, at the beginning, the light is flashing. And at the moment where he kicks it and then the follow through with the, with all the spray and everything, the light was not on yet. So literally what I did, because I work for the tour, <laughs> I went to our lighting people and I said, Hey guys, I'm trying to get this picture. Can you just give me an extra half a second to get those lights up before, so I can get this picture. And they're like, yeah, yeah, Bergman, we'll take care of you, you know? So the very last night of the tour, and this is literally, it's the last chance I had to get this photo after being on the road for four months or whatever. Um, the very last night, it was the first song in the set list again. And I didn't know for sure he was gonna do it, but it was the first song again. I put myself in the right position. The lighting cue happened just perfectly. And I got a whole sequence. I did shoot it with the, the new Canon R3, which is 30 frames a second if you shoot with the electronic shutter. So I just blasted a burst through it. And I have you know 100 frames or so of him just lining it up, holding that cup, you know, do, running a little bit and kicking it and, and then the follow through. And I finally, you know, picked the one frame that I thought was the best. And I did have a frame of him actually making contact with the cup, but honestly, I thought it was a better picture. The one you're talking about after the leg is full extension, 
And I mean, it's impressive. You know, this guy it is, is very yeah, he looks he was, like a dancer. <laughs> he played football in, in college a little bit. And uh, so or rugby or whatever he was playing back then. And uh, so he's an athletic guy. But uh, so, yeah, full follow through. And then the spray and the way it's backlit and everything. It just it just really worked out nicely. That's a so. great shot. It's just Thanks. it's just just a great shot. Tell me about the R3 while we're talking about it and give yeah. what are some of the features. I mean, this sucker is you know, amazing. I, you know, every camera generation gets better and better. And I, I always think to myself, like, what can they possibly do to make these cameras better? Like, you know, I mean, I'm, I've been a working professional photographer for 30 years now, and I've, I've made pictures throughout my career with cameras that were nowhere near as good as this. Right. And I'm like, how much better does it have to get? And every time it comes out, I go, man, this thing is just, it makes, it makes our lives as photographers so much easier because it, it, it gives, um, it, it gives you so much more power over what you want to do. So for example, like 30 frames a second, right? Yeah. We've never been able to shoot 30 frames a second. I remember shooting, you know, click, shink, click, shink, you know? And so, um, yes. so being able to do a picture like that kick and just shoot all 30 frames of it and then be able to pick the one. The key though is photographers out there don't get lazy, right? Just because you've got 30 frames and maybe five or six or seven of them are really good. I'm still a big fan of editing. And what I mean, editing is not, I don't mean toning up your photos. I mean, picking the best picture. I think that's such an important part of the creative process. You're not going to see the other hundred frames from that sequence. You're never going to see them. You're only going to see that one frame that I think is the best image, you know? And so, but the camera gives me that ability to have all those images and then pick the one that's really the best. It's got a new feature that I'm really just starting to play with a little bit where um, you, it sees my eye. And I, what and like if I have multiple people in the picture, I can tell it to focus on the subject's eyes. But if there are multiple people in the picture, it doesn't know which person to focus on, right? So now it's looking at my eye, and if I'm looking at the second person from the right, that's the per it's going to move the focus point to that person. Oh, that's awesome. I can tell it. I can tell it to follow my eye that way, or I can tell it not to. It's. I mean, it's really insane because that was an issue with eye autofocus, where if you got multiple people, which set of eyes is it going to focus on? So. Now it's following my, it's tracking my eye and seeing where I'm looking and going to focus on that person. It's kind of insane. <laughs> so I remember back in the old days when most people couldn't even load 35 millimeter film, you know, now this sucker does everything for you. So now I will say though, my big, my big PSA about this though, is the gear is amazing and gear has, has, has lowered the entry barrier for a lot of people. It's allowed a lot more people to get more creative and allowed people to access to the technology that really only the pros had in the past, but you still have to be able to think. You still have to make, you know, it's still your eyes and your heart and your brain that make the pictures. In some ways, I know a lot of photographers who lament the fact that the gear is so good now, everybody's a photographer and it's hard to make a living now because of that. But I disagree because I say that if you, um, it's made me a better photographer because I actually have to think about What's the picture here? Why am I here? What am I doing? What can I do that's different from everybody else? Everybody's using the same gear now. So why would my clients hire me? What's going to make my pictures different? You know, so that that's the hard part, right? It's, it's not shooting 30 frames a second. That's easy now, right? <laughs> the focus, is, focus system is amazing. Once you learn how to use it properly, it's amazing. The uh, exposure modes are incredible. I mean, it really does all the technical stuff for you or a lot of it for you. But you need to take control of that stuff and figure out what's the picture. Really, at the end of the day, you can make a technically perfect photo, but if it's not an interesting picture, who cares? Some Absolutely. of the greatest pictures, some of the greatest pictures you've ever seen throughout history, technically are horrible, right? They're really bad. 
but because they're old and they just didn't have the technology, but who cares if you have a picture of the Beatles at, you know, in Liverpool playing at a club in 1962, I don't care how bad quality it is. It's the Beatles in Liverpool in 1962. So I've had to really up my game as a photographer to be able to compete with, well, everybody's got the same gear. I can't just rely on the gear now. So I think that's a good thing for photographers to remember that just because, you know, we have all this amazing technology, you still have to create, you know, with your heart and your eyes and your brain and, uh, and make images. It's not just about the technology part. Absolutely. You can take the same camera and five photographers and point yeah. in the same direction. You get five yeah. different pictures. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. everybody tells a different story. Everybody has a different personality. Yep. And, and the filters we use in our own life, that's what we bring to our images. Absolutely. And I, there's this one reel on Instagram that's, oh, great camera. Oh, my God, what a good camera. What a good camera. It makes me laugh every time I hear it because you hear that, you know, people go, oh, look at that picture. Wow. What kind of camera do you have? Yeah, it's I know. <laughs> it's a little it's a little insulting, but I don't take it personally. I understand no. where people are coming from. We like the gear. But the analogy that I always tell people is it's like going to a restaurant. You have an amazing meal, right? It's the best. You call out the chef. Can please can you bring out the chef? Oh, mwah, it was just the best meal I've ever had. I don't know how you did this. What oven did you use? Yeah, or, right? or asking Michelangelo what kind of paint he used. He must have right. good paint. Right. Totally. No, totally. I agree. So, so now, now I bet you the I bet you the chef does have a great oven, right? Because you need <laughs> I need I need good gear that's going to keep up with the demands that I put on it, and I need to be able to shoot in a way that's going to be able to capture the images that I want. But like you said, you can give the same camera to multiple people, and you're not going to get the same images. So that's what I love about it. So I looked at yeah. your settings for the Luke Combs picture because you put them up on Instagram, and I noticed that. Um, you shot that at 6,400 ISO, yep. or excuse me, well, 6,400 ISO. Oh, ISO. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. It is not an acronym. A... It's a word. It's not an acronym. I know. I, I learned that uh, preparing for this interview So because I, <laughs> I watched a bunch of your stuff and yeah. I never knew that. I never knew that it's not ISO. I grew up saying ISO. Um, I did too. It's ISO. I did too. It's ISO. It for this particular case, when you're talking about that setting on the camera, it is ISO. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, the R3 sounds like a really awesome, awesome camera. There's another picture that I noticed, and it's Julie Marshall on the oh, yeah. Circus Kirkus with the six speed yep. lights. Can you talk about yep, that yep. shoot? Yes. So that was a cool, that was a fun uh, couple of days. Basically, a friend of mine co-owns a circus. And so I said, well, I have to come, you know, see this. First of all, I just wanted to come see it and support my friend and, and, and check it out. And then I do a weekly video series, of, you know, teaching photography. And so I thought this would be a great place to do a video. So uh, Julie is the aerialist at the circus and she's a force of nature and she's incredible. And she just, you ask her, oh, can you just hang upside down for a while? And she will do it very happily and with no problem. And, um, you know, and spin around at, you know, a million miles an hour. So um, I, I had, and I had access to a circus tent. This was on the day, on their day off. I had the whole tent to myself and I had an aerialist. <laughs> so I'm like, I love hmm, it. what can I do here? So yeah, I put, <laughs> oh, I, took I don't of, know. What can I share? Yeah, right? What's interesting. I mean, it's almost like a little overwhelming because you're like, I have so much, but it's like, where do I start? So I did my thing, which is, you know, I took a bunch of little speed lights now with these Canon speed lights. It's so easy. We have radio control on them. You can put them anywhere. So I had a bunch of speed lights with me. I brought six speed lights with me <laughs> and 
I had a couple in the foreground to light her. I had a couple in the background to light the tent and I had her backlit a little bit. And I just created this image of her. And then the, the, the piece de resistance was, uh, at some point I was talking with Kirk, who's the, the other uh, owner of the circus. And I said, oh, this would be great if we had like fog or, you know, a smoke machine or something. He's like, oh, I've got a smoke machine. I was like, well, of course you do. <laughs> so he went and grabbed a smoke machine and we, we smoked up the background. And uh, I just had Julie hang there and, uh, you know, with all the lighting and the gels and the circus tent and the whole thing. And it just all came together. And she was a lot of fun. And it, it's, a, it's a, definitely one of those cooler experiences. I'm like, I'm in Michigan at a circus. You know, I have the tent to myself and the aerialist will basically do whatever I need her to do. And uh, it was super fun. And I did a video. I actually did two videos out of that shoot. So uh, it was a super fun, uh, super fun week. Are those on your YouTube channel? The so yeah, so my the YouTube show is called Ask David Bergman. It's actually part through Adorama, so the the camera store, um, and so I'm on their channel. And uh, yeah, it's just called Ask David Bergman. I'm sure you could search for a circus or something like that, or maybe we can put links. Or yeah, I just went to YouTube and I and I typed in Ask David Bergman, and it came right up. And I watched some of them. It's really wonderful. Yeah. I also have I have the site AskDavidBergman.com, and they're all archived on there. Um, so you can search for stuff on there too. That's pretty easy. And that's also where you submit, where people submit questions. So that's where I got all my questions from. I liked your youth soccer video. Oh yeah, that was a that was a few years ago. That was another fun one. That was a Canon uh, Canon and Adorama did that together, and basically it was a scripted thing, like a scripted uh, video that we were doing. Which I never do those. I'm not an actor. You know, I'm just myself on these videos. But this was, I literally had a script and we had a big production team. And the, the concept was about helping people move from uh, if they were shooting with their phones or, you know, really entry-level cameras to moving up to like entry-level DSLRs. And we took this sort of the, the soccer parent, um, you know, uh, uh, persona, right? And so, and I came in, I'm David Bergman and I'm gonna, I'm, the, I'm a big stuff and I'm gonna show you how to do this, right? And they were like, what are you doing here? Nobody asked you to come here, you know? <laughs> you emailed really, us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I followed, you know, when you called me and she was like, we didn't call you. So uh, but that was, yeah, it was a, a long day of like, and those, the other uh, people in that, we had a lot of kids there who were actual, you know, soccer, it was a soccer team. Uh, I think it was one of the, um, uh, the Canon reps. I think it was his daughter's uh, soccer teams actually. But uh, so we had real, real soccer kids there, but then the, the parents were actually actors. I mean, they were hired paid actors and I'm, and I have to like, you know, go toe to toe with them on the lines. And it was, uh, it was definitely a fun experience. It was a little nerve wracking, but it was, a, it's a very silly video and it's very tongue in cheek and self-deprecating. And, uh, but I like that. I don't, you know, look, I'm a photographer for a living, right? This is, it's insane. Like who gets to do this for a living every day? I'm like, really, this is what I get paid to do. I, you know, I push my finger down on a button. So um, I don't take it for granted. I'm appreciative. And, and I, I try not to take it too seriously. You have an amazing eye. Talk to us about your post-production setup. How, what do you do? How much, because you have a mixture of uh, realistic documentary style stuff, personality stuff, celebrity stuff. The, the music is, you know, it's like filming reality, really. You got to capture sure. the moment. And then you have some beautiful studio stuff. So how much post-processing do you do and what's your setup? Yeah, I don't do a whole lot. So when, I, uh, when I'm shooting an event, like a concert or sports or something like that, I shoot a lot of frames. I mean, again, 30 frames a second. So I shoot a lot of frames. I easily, at a concert, at a Luke concert or a Bon Jovi concert or something like that, I will shoot anywhere from three to 5,000 frames a night. So... 
the hardest part for me is culling through all those images. Um, so I've developed a system over the years. Obviously, I've been doing this a long time. I use a program called Photo Mechanic that I'm a huge fan of. I've been using for since like version one, 25 years ago. We used to, we used to use that at the Miami Herald when I was there in the 90s. And um, it allows me to really go through images very quickly. The, the key is not, not to bring all your raw files into your raw converter like Lightroom or Capture One or whatever it is you're using, not to bring those in until you're down to your final images, right? So I do all my culling outside of that program, right? I use Photo Mechanic. I organize everything in my Finder. I literally will, once I get down, if I shoot 5,000 frames, I might get it down to 30, right? And those are like my finals that I'm gonna deliver to my clients or whatever the case may be. So when I get down to those 30, let's say, then those images I then bring into my raw conversion process uh, software, which I use Capture One. Um, a lot of people use Lightroom. They're very similar. You know, It's just a personal preference on which one you use, but I like Capture One. So I will then bring those in, only those 30 images into my library there. And then, yeah, like you said, if I'm doing a concert or sports or something like that, it's basically, if I have to spend more than 30 seconds on an image, then I'm going to chuck it because something's wrong, right? Unless it's a Pulitzer Prize winning frame. Um, it's really just a little, maybe a little brightness, maybe a crop, um, maybe, you know, a little vignetting, tiny bit of vignetting that I like to do. And that's it. And export. It's done. Um, when I'm doing a picture like that picture of Julie, I will work at, on that a little bit longer. First of all, I'm not shooting as many frames. I might have 200 frames instead of 5,000. So I'm going to get it down to my like final five or something like that, three or five frames. And then I'm going to work on it a little bit more. I don't do a lot of fashion photography, but when I do something like that, I might work on, uh, I didn't have to on Julie, but on some, you might have to work on skin. You might have to work on, you know, there's some of that post-processing, but I don't do really much unnatural work with my stuff. It's really just toning for skin tone, you know, color for skin tone, brightness. So the face is properly exposed. That's always the key to me is that the face is exposed properly. You know, I don't want it to be too bright or too dark. Um, and then, you know, the colors are, are as correct as they can, as I think they are, should be. And that's really it. It's just, it doesn't take me that long to work through those images. Um, it's like I said, the hardest part is the culling process. Because as I said before, that's an important part of the creative process. It really is. Picking, um, a, a good friend of mine, Brian Friedman, always used to say, it's half what you shoot and half what you show. So what the images that you're showing at the end of the day are all that really matter, right? So Absolutely. I, I shoot 5,000 frames, but if you're only going to see that one Luke picture, then that's what matters, right? Have you ever gone back? and looked at stuff as you're, as you're archiving it or something and you see an image and you go, oh my gosh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I try not to because <laughs> it's just so, <laughs> there's so much that it's hard to do. Um, it, it, it's happened occasionally. Honestly, it usually only happens if a client is looking to license something, right? If where I've had that, I'm very organized with my archive. And if a client says, oh, I've had this happen many times. Oh, you shot that thing. 15 years ago and and we saw the images that, that are available but do you have something else and they're looking for something in particular then i'll go back but i'm also organized the way that i that i catalog my files so i've done multiple passes so i have like my best images and then i have like my second best images and then everything else is after that so hopefully i only have to go back to my second best <laughs> i don't want to go back into the 5000 frames i really don't want to do that ever again i'll do it I'll always, I'll charge the client a research fee if I have to do that, but, um, but I generally will stick to what I picked as my images at the time or one level down from that. So are you archiving anything on tape now? After oh, all God, these years, no. you probably have an awful lot of stuff. So you have a NAS 
But are I do. you are you putting anything on tape as well or LT? No, I, no, I've never gone the tape route. I probably, I don't know. The only thing about tape, I obviously it's great for long term and it's big, but it's not, it's not very accessible, right? So I still need my things to be accessible. So yeah, I have a NAS box at home and in my studio, and I uh, can access that from the road. So I have like a hundred terabytes just sitting there that I can access over the internet. So if I'm on the road, which I'm on the road a lot. So if I'm on the road and I get a call like that, somebody needs an old image, wasn't one that made it to my final edits, I can just go online and pull it up. And it's, it's pretty easy to do that way. I couldn't, I don't know that I would do that very efficiently with a tape backup. Now, where do you have that backed up online? Uh, so, well, I can access my NAS over the inter, over the. Oh, there you go. Okay. So, yeah. okay. Now I also okay. use another, I have a third because backup is three, two, one, right? You have to have three copies, Yeah, that's what two different storage asking. medium and yeah. one offsite. So the offsite one, because I have a studio, I have my office and I have my apartment. Those are two separate locations in New York City. So I have everything in those two locations, but then also I use Photo Shelter, which is a company that's been around a very long time. I use them to just my final images, my best of, those go up to there. They're, they're backed up there. And also if I want to license my images, I can license them through their system. I also deliver images to my clients through the photo shelter system. So everybody has a login. All my clients have their own login and they can get their pictures that way. So, um, so yeah, so that's my, that's technically my online archive, but my, but I don't have all my 5,000 frames of every show no, I can't in photo that. shelter, right? That would be insane. No. So I can still <laughs> access my NAS over the internet. It's in my, in my studio. That's awesome. Are you using something like TeamViewer to get into it? Or are you just accessing it over an IP address? I'm just curious. Yeah, just an IP. So right. it's a Synology, so the IP. It's a right. Synology NAS, and they have a, mm -hmm. a login, you know, a quick mm -hmm. connect uh, that I can mm -hmm. just get right at. So a lot of what you do, you're a fly on the wall. You have great relationships. I saw the uh, endorsement from John Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah. What do you think is your strongest quality as a photographer that gets you hired over and over again? Oh boy, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I, I think some of it is, I often say this job is not only about being a good photographer, but you have to know when to be in the room and when not to be in the room, right? You have to feel the, you have to read the room, you have to feel the environment. And yes, I'm around celebrities and I'm in, usually like if, if John Bon Jovi's meeting with a friend, that friend is probably an NFL owner or a congressman, or these are important people, you know? So, um, uh, we, he, we were in Japan and he was had a, you know, a meeting after the show with Caroline Kennedy, you know, so, um, so these are the people that he hangs around with. I'm usually the only other person who can be in the room, right? It's usually just the two of them. And then I know at the end of their conversation, I'm going to want to make a picture of them together, you know, so that I can send it to her, or I can send it to his guest or whoever. So I have to know how to do that, right? And that's almost more important than being a good photographer. Obviously, you have to be a good photographer, but, but you know, just knowing if I push it too hard and I'm in there just a little bit too long and it feels awkward for everybody, they're not going to want me around. Right. But I still have to do my job. So, um, so I think that's a big part of it is just knowing, I think photographers, a lot of times we're, we're a bit of sort of amateurs, amateur psychologists where we have to Absolutely. read people very quickly. And if I'm doing a portrait shoot, I have to understand that person as best I can in sometimes in a few seconds, you have to figure out who they are and how you can connect with them and make them comfortable and not make them want to, you know, leave the room because you're an idiot, right? So um, <laughs> that's, and a lot of people, you know, don't understand that. That's really what it's about is, 
connecting with people genuinely. It can't be, you know, it can't be fake. It really has to be genuine. I like people. I'm an extrovert. I like talking to people. Um, I like learning about people. I think humans are fascinating. Um, so I love talking to people. You know, when I was hanging out with, with Julie, the aerialist, that was not a type of person I hang out with a lot, you know, a circus performer. And I loved chatting with her, you know, and so we had a great time. And so she was, I hope, as comfortable as I could make her. So that then when I asked her, oh, can you spin around upside down for me for a while? She was, yeah, no problem. It'd be great, you know? So that, I think that's the key for photographers is to really understand people and to be empathetic and to be able to put yourself in other people's shoes and, and figure out how to connect very quickly. I think that's a big, a big skill that we need to have. It's very important. Tell me about your workshops. Oh yeah. The workshops are so fun. So I've over the years, uh, friends of mine, and I've seen other people do this. Uh, I've taught a lot of workshops. I've done a lot of lectures and those speaking gigs and things like that. But, um, I used to work at Sports Illustrated and there are former Sports Illustrated photographers who run sports photo workshops where you come out, they train you for the day how to shoot football and then you get to shoot a football game, right? There are fashion photographers where you spend the week with them maybe at a vineyard and they bring in beautiful models and you get to photograph them, right? My world, concert photography, I get emails all the time from people saying, how do I get to shoot what you shoot? How do I do what you do? And I've always said, you really can't. There's really no way to do it. There's, there are a handful of people who shoot concerts full-time, uh, literally a handful. There aren't very many of us. And then, you know, newspaper photographers, press photographers will occasionally do a concert, but they don't have very good access. And it really is a, a very small niche, uh, a very small genre that, of concert photographers. So I came up with this idea four or five years ago. I said, I want to do a concert photography workshop, right? But you need the perfect storm of things to happen. First of all, you need somebody who can teach, right? Somebody who's a good educator. But also you need a, a concert, a, a musician, a band, somebody who's willing to let you do it, right? Because to give access at a concert is very hard. I mean, even for the working photographers to get that access, it's not just given easily, right? You really have to be genuinely working for somebody, you know, giving publicity to that artist. So I had to have a client who respected me enough and also at the same time was open-minded enough to, to try it, right? And so I pitched a lot of different bands, right? And I'll be honest with you, I got a lot of no's, right? Because again, they don't want a bunch of, you know, what they perceive to be amateur photographers coming and shooting and having the level of access that I have that they've granted me. So it wasn't until I came across uh, Luke Combs and his manager, who is a, a gentleman, uh, Chris Cappy, who I met 15 years ago on another gig. And we kind of stayed in touch over the years. And I pitched him on it. I said, this is really what I want to do. You know, we'll make this a great business for, for all of us. And it'll be a win-win-win for everybody. And he's, and Cappy, to his credit, he said, I'll talk to Luke, but let's try it. And so I did the first few weeks of a tour, the tour in 2019. And basically it went so well that now I've been doing it ever since. And, the, and what it is, is I, I can have five or six, depending on the show, five or six photographers who come out to spend the day with me at a workshop. Now it's not a Luke Combs experience. If you're a Luke Combs fan, you're not, that's not what you're coming for. You're not going to meet no, Luke. It's no. not a backstage meet and greet. You're coming for a mm -hmm. David Bergman photo workshop, but you're going to spend the day with me in the venue backstage. We have a, our own photo room where we, I, I have a projector set up and I, and I teach, I do a whole uh, workshop for about four hours and I teach you everything I know and everything I've learned about shooting concerts and sports and really action of any kind. And 
and it's intense. It's a lot of stuff. It's from nuts and bolts from beginning to end, right? And I talk about remote cameras at business, photo business, and all kinds of stuff, all the way down to apertures and shutter speeds. And then at the end of that, by the end of that, then I throw you out into the wild. I kick you out of the nest and you get to shoot it. You get to put that stuff all into practice at the concert that night. So you get to shoot the whole show that night, which nobody gets to do besides me. You're literally shooting the entire night and you can be, you can pretty much have all access. You can go all around. And it's an incredible experience because most people don't get that opportunity to photograph a concert up close or high wides or farther back or wherever you want to go pretty much. And so at the end of the night, my favorite part is at the end of the night, everybody comes back into the room and I always say, how was that? And they're always like, oh my God, that was insane. <laughs> you know? so like, and I love that. I love being able to provide that experience for people. And so thank you to Luke and his management who's allowing me to do this because it really is unheard of to give that kind of access. So yeah, so that's what I've been doing with Luke ever since the beginning of 2019. And I'm continuing up into 2022 now. And I've got some coming up in Canada. We've got some shows in Canada that I'm going to do workshops in. Um, and then we'll see throughout the year. <clears throat> I think most of them will be in the fall, um, you know, assuming the world uh, doesn't fall apart before then. I was um, going to ask you when the next one is. Do you know? Yeah, well, we, the next workshop is uh, in March. So we've got, I've got four of them scheduled right now in March in Canada. Um, so we've got, we're off right now. This is in January. We're off until um, uh, we're doing the Daytona 500 in February. Luke's playing at that. And then we have this Canadian tour. Actually, before that, we have three shows in Europe because we were in Europe when the pandemic hit. So we, we, had, we came home and we had three shows that were postponed. So we have three shows in Europe and then we have a bunch of dates in Canada. Um, and then we'll see what's after that. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun year with Luke. And, and yeah, the workshops are going to keep going. So I'm excited. It really is a fun experience, both for me, selfishly, like I said, to provide this opportunity that people could never have before. And then for the, everybody who's come, literally every single person at the end of the night goes, that was insane. So I, that's my favorite part of the night is when everybody's just blown away. And where do they go to uh, register for this? Yeah, so it's called Shoot From The Pit. So it's like the photo pit, you know, instead of shoot from the hip, it's shoot from the pit. So just shootfromthepit.com is the website. And I always tell people, if you don't, you know, like, believe me that it's as cool as it sounds, just Google it. Like you can, people have written reviews, people have posted their photos. You can, I have nothing to hide. There's, it's absolutely is what I make it sound like. And uh, it's a, in the beginning before very many people had come, that was the biggest uh, thing was I would ask people, what was your hesitation? You know, and they said, oh, I, I thought it was too good to be true. <laughs> so, um, so now, you know, hundreds of people have come and everybody's posted photos and written about it. And so, so Google it up. The hashtag is shoot from the pit and the, the site is shootfromthepit.com and it's all out there. And you also do uh, individual coaching once in a while too. Occasionally, yeah, when I have time. Yeah, I do have some time right now until we get back on tour. So I have opened, uh, I started that during the pandemic because uh, people would you know, ask me, the thing is with my Ask David Bergman show, obviously I have to take sort of more general questions. Um, you know, People asking things that apply to a lot of other people. If somebody's like, what's that menu item in my camera? You know, I can't, I'm not going to answer that on a show that goes to, you know, tens of thousands of people. But if somebody has a question like that, they can ask me directly. So yeah, I do one-on-ones. That's all up at askdavidbergman.com. Um, the access there, I have a few, just a few slots available for that because I just don't have the time to do it. But I will, I do work just like this over Zoom with people and um, we can chat for 20 minutes or 60 minutes and I'll help you with business things or technical things or, you know, what gear you should buy or whatever it is. I'm happy to help people out. I've, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've pretty much come across 
just about every situation one can come across in the photo world. So, uh, uh, so I'm happy to, at this point in my career, I'm happy to help people out. I have no secrets. I'll share my information, whatever it is. I'm not worried about losing my gig because I told somebody how to, uh, you know, how to set their camera up. So, right. uh, so yeah, so I'm happy to share it these days. Well, I can see why people love working with you. You have a great, oh. a great attitude. You're obviously a happy person and we uh, need more of that in the world. I know? agree. I, we could use more of that from everybody, but thank we you. Really, I appreciate that. We really do. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this today. And I, I think people are going to be very interested in hearing what you have to say. And I, I do tell everybody, go to <laughs> shootfromthepit.com. Go to davidbergman.net, Google him, and you're going to see yeah, amazing me. images, just amazing images, and a career that really is going to continue for a long time. We've, we've got lots of stuff we're going to see and hear from you in the future. So this has been fun. It's been fun. Thanks, Serena. I He's appreciate David it. David Bergman. I'm Serena Catania. You're listening to OWC Radio. And remember what I tell you guys every single time. Get up off your chair and go do something wonderful today. Thanks for listening.